Welcome to the Fleet Success Show, a podcast dedicated to talking about the fundamentals, standards, and best practices that empower today's fleets to achieve fleet success. Let's get into the show. All right. Welcome back for another episode of the Fleet Success Show. Glad to have everybody on board again. It's been uh, quite a fun ride for us. Yeah. So great. Uh, joining me today, I've got, uh, again, our co-host, Steve Saltzgiver. How you doing? Good. Very good. And we've got a very special guest coming on is uh, Michael Brayband. How are you doing, sir? I'm doing great. Thank you. I'm very happy to be here. Thanks for having me on. All right. Hey, so it's been uh, a lot of fun having you on board. You've been, uh, you know, we've been talking back and forth for the last, uh, you know, feels like several months uh, <laughs> going back. But uh, it was awesome meeting you at NAFA a couple weeks ago and, um, you know, seeing what you have going on. So first, before we get started, you know, just for our, our listeners, uh, give us a little rundown who you are. What's the Michael Brayband story? Yeah, I'm Mike Brayband. I've been in the food industry uh, my whole career. So I started off in the rental and then I went to the leasing and then I'm currently in the public transportation part of fleet. But I've actually been doing this my whole life. Um, and my dad actually was a bus driver before I was born uh, in Wilmette, Illinois. And he actually met my mom on the bus route and actually proposed to my mom on the same bus route that he met her on. And after that, he stayed with the same company his whole career. He just retired a couple of years ago. And so so pace of everything about me has kind of been about uh, public transportation and, and the fleet management. So it's really kind of been an exciting journey for me over the last uh, how many years. And I am also very excited to hear, you know, talk to you guys about just fleet management in general. I'm really excited to see where the conversation goes. Honestly, it can go so many different ways. So uh, thanks again for having me on. Yeah. So we, we bring you in, we kind of, you know, talk through a little bit, you know, and, and the conversation really just, it can go a million different directions, which is what makes it fun. But uh, I like something you said in there about how you're born into it. And, you know, like you said that I'm like, Hey, that sounds like me because it's uh, you know, like my grandfather. That's exactly how he did it, right? He was running running UPS for a long time. Then my dad was running this company, and I was like, I, I don't know what else I would do. I was born into doing this. It's all fun to find uh, find other people out there who are like, I was born for this, you know. You don't get that in fleet management, you know. I know Steve, like you got in fleet management, you know, and it was you know I was I wasn't born into it like you guys, but there was a time in my life where I had this epiphany and said, Well, this is exactly where I need to be. And a lot of that, you know, my story is I, you actually brought me back for a minute, Mike, when you talked about bus driving, I did that for about five years for Utah Transit Authority. And, and, it, and it's amazing what happens on those bus routes. <laughs> you, know, you get to know oh. everybody every day and you become this little collective group of people, you know, every day on the bus and especially during rush hour. So I could totally see how your dad could meet your mother and, you know, and that connection, but. Yeah, I was uh, I was sitting in my office one day in 2005 as a fleet manager, and and uh, my mother sent me this old 16 millimeter, eight millimeter tape. I don't even know what they were. Those old home movies. Okay. And she had put it on a VHS tape, and so I slapped it in there, and it was me, about two years old, walking around a little swimming pool with a blankie on my on my shoulder, lining up cars, and I sat there and looked at that and thought, Oh my gosh, I've been doing this, you know. And then it took me <laughs> back to. When my dad used to take me down to Little America down in Salt Lake City when I was a little kid, and he'd bet all the uh, his friends that Steve could tell you what kind of car that is, that kind of car that is. <laughs> and so I'd sit there as a little five-year-old, and he'd be collecting money, you know, well, that's a Studebaker, and that's a, that's a Ford. So, so ultimately, after I saw that video, I thought, you know, I think I was born to be this. This fate's like kismet here, you know? I could just see little Steve Saltzgiver <laughs> getting his little Hot Wheels cars ready for uh, ready yeah. for rollout, you know, as we're, as we're getting the bus lot ready. 
It's, um, it's kind of fun how we uh, we all kind of stumble into it sometimes, stumble yeah. into this career. But it's I actually awesome. watch it's one of my grandkids do the same thing now, and I'm going, hmm. Okay. Might, <laughs> hey, you got to start grooming that up, you know. Some, <laughs> yeah. some potential there, you know. He's exactly. got it in his genes, so. I'll hire him. Right? <laughs> <laughs> so, so one of the things that uh, that really stood out to us, right, is, you know, you've been in fleet management. You've been doing this. You know, you, you work at a transit company right now, transportation company. Uh, but one of the other things you've got going is you have this YouTube channel. Tell us a, bit, a little bit about the YouTube channel and, and why our listeners should be checking out this YouTube channel, what it's about, how it got started. Yeah, actually, uh, so it was about three months ago I got started with it. And it was uh, right around the time that uh, I was getting into the possibility of being talking at an AFA INE uh, in, in front of in, for the 100 best fleets in North America. And I was noticing that no one really knew who I was, really. Um, and so I started making these YouTube channels to kind of get people's attention. But, you know, it started off by me just wanting to share some knowledge and being able to teach, which I really like to do. But then all of a sudden it started, you know, becoming something like I could actually help people by bringing information to them and actually show them that there's an easy, fun way of actually learning about fleet management. And one of the things that I'm kind of worried about in the fleet industry over the next couple of years is that we're not going to get the people that we need to do all the things that we need to do. We're pretty much required to basically change how everything is done, how everything I've learned about fleet management has to change. And in order to do that, we need to have everybody that's been in industry forever. And we need to get all the new people coming out of college, all the people that are going to be inventing the ways that we could actually change and do all these things that we're supposed to do and that we're required to do by being good at our jobs. So I was trying to find ways that I could connect with people that maybe are in college or are maybe looking at getting a job and they're not really used to going out to go to job fairs or to do things like that. So I figured if I can give them an easy way of actually learning in two minutes and they take two things out of it, and one of those things is maybe I should do fleet management, I think it's successful. Um, and it really kind of shows that it just takes a little bit of, you know, time and effort. My videos aren't perfect. And half of it is just me, bloop, you know, being doing bloopers to make fun of myself. But I think ultimately what it tries to do is just tries to reach out to people. I've made a commitment that I'll do, I'll basically communicate any way, any way, shape or form at any time, just to be able to get anything out that'll help anybody that's trying to be in fleet and maybe just trying to do something that they've never done before. So that's kind of how it started. And then it's kind of what it's gone through now is I've been found, finding that people, when I'm offering help, they're actually accepting it. And I think that's a big humbling experience for a lot of different people. I know I have a hard time doing it. And there's one person in particular that I reached out, that reached out to me and saw my first video. And basically my LinkedIn post was, you know, I'm, I'm doing this to get out of my comfort zone. And he reached out to me, to me and his name is Andrew Root. And he's uh, currently with the U.S. Army. He's a a chief warrant officer three. Um, so he does a very uh, great job with our, our maintenance vehicles in the U.S. Army. And he reached out to me and said that he appreciated the fact that I was trying to do something and get out of my comfort zone because that's basically what he's trying to do right now going into civilian life. Uh, one of the great things about his story and relatable right now is that the reason why he wants to defend our country is because of 9-11. And he left maybe within two months of that happening. So he did that for us. The least that I could do is give him options. He's one of the smartest guys I've ever met. He's way more technical than I will ever be. And it's one of those humbling experiences. Like, I don't know, like, how am I going to help him? I know he's currently going to be in, retiring in Georgia. And I don't know anybody in Georgia. Uh, but through this experience, I was able to meet two people running fleets 
in counties that are within a few feet, you know, a few miles of him. So I'm hoping that all things work out, but I think just in general, I created those YouTube videos to kind of just help people and just spread a quick word about how easy fleet management can, can be. I mean, I guess you guys can both agree. It's not rocket science. It's pretty simple. You follow a few things and you keep doing them over and over and over again, and they're probably going to be successful. So I think that's why I created the channel. And it's kind of fun to do anyways. Uh, my kids think that I'm, that I'm a YouTube star, but not really, you know? So it's one of those things <laughs> where they watch it and then they don't watch it anymore, you know? Uh, so I've actually made different movies and like things for them. So like I'll, you know, make a video about how to make a peanut butter sandwich, or I'll make a video about how to take care of a bearded dragon, like things like that, that maybe relate to different people and, you know, gets people to watch some of the videos. <laughs> Well, I love the, uh, you know, just go out and do it, right? Like, it's not perfect. It doesn't have to be perfect, but, like, you just have this attitude of, hey, I'm not going to sit back and wait for it to come or, ah, it's just not ready yet. And, you know, because we talk about this all the time. One of the guys I follow is Casey Graham, and he's the CEO of a, a payment recovery solution, like a non-SaaS in a SaaS environment, kind of weird, weird guy. But um, he's all about engagement on LinkedIn. And so he has all these things about, you know, just go out there and post. And like, that's how you grow your network and grow your influence. Uh, but the big thing is, is just post. And you get stuck in this mindset of, well, I don't really know what to post about. Nobody really wants to listen to me. But then you start changing people's lives because like even the little bit of tidbits that you have, and it's awesome to see that you're doing this in the YouTube channel, is that just by getting off the couch and just by entering it, and even if it's two minutes and the production quality is, is terrible, which yours is not, but even if it were, <laughs> right, like it would be, it, you know, it's still, it's still engaging and it's still making an impact. Right. And so I, I think it's awesome that that's, uh, that you've done that. Uh, and, you know, and, and Andrew, you know, our, our guy that's, uh, you know, the U S warrant officer to be able to do that and find a network. That's what the, what I love about this industry is it's, it's very collegial. Yeah. Other <laughs> industries are super adversarial, but I feel yeah. like fleet, you know, and I think that's one of the reasons why once people get into fleet, they don't like to leave it yeah. is because yeah. it is so collegial. Yeah. I've known people in every walk of life in fleet. They've been fleet managers and they jump over to the supplier side and then they come back yep. and, you know, and uh, I've always said, you know, as I've gone through fleet is I never want to upset anybody or because tomorrow they could be my boss, you know. <laughs> so I mean, it's the kind of thing you don't ever want to step on people, you know, uh, their step on their fingers as they're going up the rung, either way at this point. But yeah, but I love that uh, you know you were able to reach out. You found a couple of people in in Georgia. I know we've got contacts in Georgia, and so that's something that we'll totally throw our hat in and say, "Hey, how can awesome, we right?" See, that's, that's why that's I'm doing kinda, this. That's what the industry's all about. It's <laughs> just awesome. We're like, hey, I I actually know a few people out in you know, Cobb County and, and some of those places out there to Cobb and, um, you know, so being able to reach out to some of those guys. And, and now, you know, like you spoke at NAFA. I saw you speak at NAFA and that was awesome. I thought you did a great job there. Thank you. Um, did you guys, did you go through the 100 best fleets process as part of this? Yeah. So I tried uh, the first two years uh, at my current location, I tried and I failed. I didn't make it. And so it was a big thing where I really wanted to uh, succeed. And so the last four years we have made it. Um, and so we were kind of, um, you know, after talking to Tom Johnson, who created the award, um, he, he kind of was like, Hey, maybe you should come out and speak. And, you know, you know, what kind of came from there. And he's like, you ever done that before? And I'm like, 
absolutely not. Like, why would I? I mean, come on, like, you know, but it was probably one of the most memorable experiences I've had so far in my career is just going up there um, right before that. I mean, you guys were there, you know, that it was raining cats and dogs, right? It was just like, yeah. you know, a police officer fought like past us with a boat in the back. And I'm like, this is not <laughs> oh, <no>. good, you know? <laughs> But right before that, I actually was coming down the stairs at the Omni Hotel and I biffed it all the way down the stairs. So I I sprayed my ankle. It was so embarrassing. And uh, one of the panelists there, um, Alex, he was with me and he was like, you know, he was just being polite. He didn't laugh or anything. Right. But he ended up getting an Uber. So we hopped in. So like I was on adrenaline. Right. And it wasn't until like right before I got on the stage when I went up the stairs and I was like, yeah, that's not right. You know, Uh, but you know, the adrenaline hits and then you're like, you know what, these people are here to listen to me, you know, like I got to do something, you know, and, you know, I was the most, you know, green newest person in the public speaking out of all of them because they're, they're extremely well known and they have great careers and everything. And it's like me being up there with them and them being so nice and dealing with my nervousness beforehand, like it meant a lot, like it really did. I think people make a big difference in those situations and it was just them being themselves. Like, I think they, if I would have fell on my face or if I would have like goofed up, I think they would have just walked off or they would have made a scene, you know? So I think it was just a cool experience. I knew that I wasn't going to, you know, do horrible. I practiced so much. And I think I spent half the INE just going to the expo hall and talking to myself on that stage, just because it was important to me, you know, like yeah. I'm here, people don't know me. This is what one of my goals of what I want to accomplish. I got a brand new suit. You know, I thought it was black, but it's blue. doesn't matter, you know? So it was rock and roll and, you know, it went well. I mean, I think the most thing, the biggest thing that I'm proud of in the whole experience is that I messed up in one of the questions and I was just rambling and I snapped out of it. And I don't know if you remember, but I gave a fist bump to Al who saved me in that. And he stopped everything. And once he did, I was able to compose myself or remember what I was going to say, but I was, I don't know what I was talking about. It was just blah, 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 blah. You know, it gets going. Oh, I will go run through a wall right now. I'm just, I'm ready. You know, what was I talking about? I don't care. Let's go do it. Right. I was like, these chairs behind me, I'm just going to throw them into the crowd. You know, like I was just so excited, you know, and my wife was there, which she supported me and she came down. So it was one of those experiences where I, I was like, you know what? She's here and I'm not going to fail, but you know, I'm nervous. And usually I, I have composure and I, I don't show any kind of emotion, but in this situation, I couldn't stop talking about it. And I'm sure it was annoying to everybody that was getting about to get on stage, but I'm just like, you know, and another person that made a big difference was Paul J. Long. Uh, he actually, he is, he actually put me aside like right before. And he's like, just give me your, give me your spiel. Just give me you know, right away. Just like in the, just random, just do it right now. And I just rambled it off. And he's like, that's perfect. You should just do that. Like, what are you talking about? Why are you nervous? And I'm like, you know what? You saying that, that means I'm good. And I kind of snapped out of it a little bit. And it was it was a really good experience. I think everybody should do it in their career um, just because I think it sets you apart. Because once you get over that fear, like the next time I do that, I'm going to be looking forward to it. I'm not going to be nervous. Like I'm going to want to do better than I did this past time. Um Public speaking, like a kid to death, is a fear that people have. So, yeah, people are above that. Phobia. Yeah, it's, like a, it's crazy. Absolutely. Yeah. I think one of the big things is to, like you said, just do it, right? See what happens. And even if you fall on your face, just do it again, right? Get back on the horse. Um, you know, I, I think I mentioned it in a LinkedIn post a long time ago. There's this idea of, like, you ever go cliff jumping at all, Mike? <laughs> no, but I will. 
Okay. So, <laughs> so there's a spot up here in Arizona. We call it Christopher Creek. It's probably, uh, it's just a little outside Payson. And, um, you know, there's some 40 or 50 foot cliffs as, as the stream comes down these waterfalls. And the water's pretty chilly. Uh, but I talked about this moment, right? You get up on the cliff, and just before you start, you're just kind of like frozen. And it's that fear of like the unknown. Well, I don't know what this is going to feel like. I don't know if I'm going to slip, and I don't want to hit some rocks underneath me. Will I get clear of the rocks? Will I, you know, is it going to hurt? Will I break my leg? Who knows? Like you start running through this this stuff, and you get all these tapes running, right? <laughs> it's the same thing. You're sitting there in the backstage, and you're like, oh, my gosh, what if I say this? What happens if this? What if I call Al the wrong name? Or I, you know, I, like Paul, the whole, you know, opening keynote was calling somebody else Al, and it wasn't even Al. It was some other guy, you know, and he, and he just totally played it off, lived it down, you know, figured out a way around it. But we talk about that moment when you're on the cliff, and then you finally are just like, all right, I got to get out of my head, and I'm just going to do it. And you don't count down or anything. You just take a step. And that's how you get over that fear is you just take a step, and you just step off. And then all of a sudden, gravity takes over, and there's you're done, right? Like, it just it goes, and you're like, okay. And then the next one comes up, and now you have more confidence. You just walk off. Um, you know, we had, uh, we were just, we went cliff jumping uh, last week, my wife and I. And same thing, you know, we were up on a platform with a couple of friends. And, you know, my wife just goes off, and then I'm right behind her. And I'm like, all right, well, I could stand up here and hold on to the rails and psych myself out. Or I can just walk off right now. <laughs> so I just said, I'm not going to do it. I, so I just ran off. I'm like, that's it. I'm just running. I don't care. We're just running. You know, and it was probably about a 35-foot jump. Uh, but Were you screaming? Friends, huh? Were you screaming? Oh, no. Like, it's totally <laughs> fun, right? Like, you go down, and, and then the whole thing is just, you know, make sure you plug your nose because otherwise, man, that water comes right up. But the um, but then we've had a couple of friends who were right behind us, and Grab the handrails, locked in, psyched themselves out. It took another five minutes for them to make the jump, you know, and it was like, all right, come on, you can do this. Don't think about it, <laughs> do it. You know, and so it, public speaking, posting a YouTube video, uh, like you're going through a lot of growth right here. I'm proud of you. I'm trying, and podcast. I mean, this is serious. Right? Like, this I is mean, this is the most, yeah. yeah. it all came to this, honestly. So I can just stop doing anything at this point, you know? I've always found that you are your own worst critic. Yep. Yeah. Most people don't ever uh, notice the things that you notice. So keep that in mind. As you're going through. Absolutely. Every time I, I send out a YouTube video or I do a post or anything like that, I just, it is what it is. You know, I've gotten that mindset where if I have a good message and I've already edited it for 13 hours, like it's as good as it's going to get, you know? So, you know, I think it's something I've learned just because, if you don't put yourself out there, like you said, like you're never going to go anywhere and you're just going to stay in the same point and you're just going to be frustrated. And it's just, there's no point to that anymore. Life's too short. I think we all learned that from the pandemic. I think you, we've all gotten better as people just because we care about people more. We want everybody around us to succeed more. I mean, I think it's just in general, it's a good place to be. I mean, I enjoy being around people more now than I did before. I love being at the NAF INE. I mean, everybody was so supportive and everybody was just kind of excited. There was that feeling that you were doing something special. You were part of something special. And I don't know if you saw, but afterwards, they actually said that we were the first group to come to Pittsburgh. And I thought, like, that is a big deal. I mean, I, they waited for us, you know, for 18 months for us to come down there and party. So it was a good time. That was, one of, that was actually one of my biggest takeaways is just getting out again. You know, it's yeah. been so bad the last couple of years. I remember going to a Ramsey event, and they had something down at Dallas Cowboys Stadium, kind of like we did at Pittsburgh Stadium, at the Steelers Stadium. 
Um, and they said, this is the first time these guys have been able to work since last year, you know, and so you're wow. helping them get back on their feet and you're helping them get back to work. So thank you for doing that. You know, for being a part of this. And it was cool. So that's very cool. Um, shoot. There's something else that you said that I really, Oh, so talking about, you know, like fleet managers and kind of getting out of their comfort zone. I think the other thing that by doing channels like this, by doing the fleet management one-on-one, uh, you know, the YouTube channel, getting up and doing public speaking, that you, you're putting yourself out there, but you're also, you're able to help more people because you're introducing yourself, you're growing your network through this stuff. Um, and, you know, this guy reaches out to you and you're like, shoot, well, I have no idea, but you know somebody and that person knows five other people. And then because you spoke at, at NAFA, now you've got a little bit more credibility. And so you go connect with them on LinkedIn, shoot them a message. Hey, you know, I, I saw we were both at NAFA 2021. I don't know if you remember me, but I was up on stage talking about best 100 fleets. I see you're in Georgia. I've got a favor to ask. You know, do you have any openings? Do you have any of this? And suddenly it just opens up this world, you know, because you're willing to put yourself out there. And, and I think the genuineness is what really people, it's what resonates with people. Just I actually being genuine I actually real. spoke at Weber State College one year to a bunch of graduating automotive uh, students. Yeah. After that, after that, I went back to my office, and I got this email from one of the students that was there. He said, hey, do you have any openings? And I said, no, I don't have anything. And he just kept bugging me and bugging me. He finally showed up to my office one day. What about now? You got any openings? You know, and it, it was, I, by the time I went through all that, I thought, you know what? This guy's got a lot of spunk. I'm going to hire him. <laughs> so I hired him as an intern. And then when I finally, I left, and he was still the place where I hired him, he became like the assistant manager. I mean, it just, I mean, you never know. I mean, you know, with the, the way the networking works and, you know, I mean, you have to get out there and it's all, it's all on you. I always see these people, I can't get a job. Well, what have you done? I filled out a resume. Well, what else have you done? <laughs> I mean, there's more to it than that, right? So, and we're really creative here on our resumes. You know, we're trying to find that perfect person. And, our job ads. Yeah, yeah, our job ads, yeah. So, I saw one, though, the other day that was really good. The guy put a LinkedIn uh poll on there i am your next business analyst and it said yes 90 percent, and then no you're gonna fire me and they actually hired the guy i thought it was pretty cool <laughs> yeah that's funny yeah hey, so you know mike i know one of the things that uh, that you're passionate about you're you're constantly thinking about looking at what's going to impact the industry you know as a whole fleet managers if you had advice for fleet managers coming up but one of the things that you've been thinking about or is on your mind is sustainability uh, yeah. What do you see? Like, where is that coming in? And, you know, we talk about electrification. We talk about renewable energy, renewable fuels. Um, what do you, you know, give me some of your thoughts on that, where you're at with that. Yeah. I mean, I think like everybody else, I really want EBVs and EVs to really happen very soon. Uh, I just think that the infrastructure is not there. And I think we're talking about another five to 10 years before we're at the point where, everybody can drive around in their electric cars that don't make any sound, you know? I mean, I think it's going to be a while before we can actually figure out how to work together. Um, I think everybody's kind of competing right now. Um, I really appreciate everybody taking the time to do these kind of samples, you know, to see how things are in different areas of the country. I think we're going to find an issue with just getting enough money into certain places and then spread it out throughout the whole country because I think it's really kind of useless if we don't have to have the infrastructure everywhere. So if I'm going to vacation in Utah, I should be able to no problem, you know, or I'm gonna have to rent an ice, you know, an ice truck or something, you know, and get there. So 
I'm looking for everybody to kind of work together and to start in small kind of different steps. And I think, uh, you know, I think different alternative fuels are a good bridge right now to get us there, but there's still infrastructure problems with that too. So I'm really kind of hoping that we get all the money we possibly can from the government. And then they subsidize a lot of these extra costs for, you know, the cost of, you know, electric vehicles are, you know, quite a bit more. And they can allow us to kind of get in a position where it'd be silly for me to get, um, you know, a gas Jeep. Now I'm going to have to get an electric Jeep just because that's what's out there. And it's better for all these different reasons. So I really want it to work out quickly, but I think everybody has to kind of be realistic. I think everybody right now is, is, is trying to yell as loud as they can if they want electric vehicles, but they don't care how. And, you know, there's expecting someone to give them the money to make them, you know, in the position where they have to do it. So I think we're very far away and far away is for me is like tomorrow we're still not there. You know, so I'm hoping that in the next three to five years that we got on, we get on this plan and it's almost like this is the exact way you have to implement EVs. And this is the exact way or if you don't, it's going to fail. You know, this is proven. This is exactly how much money you need. This is how you get these chargers, which are going to be this certain amount. You know, I just think everything's got to be extremely easy or no one's going to get on board. And then we're going to be back in a position where we're trying to make diesel the best option again. And I just don't want that to ever happen again. Well, I've been saying the same thing you just said since 1993 when I got my first electric vehicle. But uh, this is a little trendsetter. It's been <laughs> moving so slow, you know, because uh, and, uh, I think the price of gas really fluctuating causes a lot of that. But we need to get to the point where the market drives it, not the government. And I think when that happens, then, uh, you know, we'll start getting the infrastructure and everything. It's like we're doing things backwards, that chicken and egg thing. You know, you can't get an electric vehicle out till you get the infrastructure. We can't put, buy the infrastructure till you have electric vehicles, you know, and somebody's going to have to come up with some geographical solution or something that we, okay, we're going to start in this city or this territory, and we're going to start putting infrastructure in and get those people on and then just keep cascading it from there. Um, you know, because there's a lot of things. I mean, you look around the country. I mean, you're in Illinois. I'm in part-time in Utah, Arizona. What works in Illinois may not work here, right, where we're at. You know, you've got snow and you've got, you know, severe winds and weather and, so there is some things that could uh, hamper that. I mean, the ultimate is smart infrastructure while you drive and charge at the same time, you know, or even solar on your roof or, you know, panels on your roof. But uh, if you live in a place that's cloudy all the time, who knows? Is that going to work? If you live in a place that gets sleet all over your sensors, is that going to work? <laughs> you know, so uh, there is some there is some ways to do that, I'm sure, is it, but we need to come up with that and, really put together, I think, some pilots somewhere. Nobody's ever really done anything but just talk about it. So, well, I mean, you've got a lot of the, like the small locales, right? They do a lot of pilots locally. Yep. Um, you know, but to, to Mike's point is there's nothing nationally where there's a standard where I can just, I know if I go to Utah or I can make it to Utah and I've got the charging infrastructure and I don't have range anxiety, you know, which is totally a real thing yep. for people with electric vehicles, you know, is, do I have enough to get to the next charging station? Um, you know, it, could you see something more coordinated at the federal level like we did with, you know, Eisenhower and the freeway project, yep. right? Getting the interstates all set up. Uh, you could see something along those lines. Uh, you know, this infrastructure bill that we've been talking about and seeing debated, uh, you know, all the political strings that are attached to that. But, uh, you know, getting some of those things moving 
That's actually where it needs to come from, but they just need to take all the pork and all the stupid stuff out of it and say, you know, let's let's put some but stuff. If they did that, nothing would ever get passed. So, <laughs> you know. But I don't think babysitting is part of that, right? <laughs> but the idea is that, you know, you will probably need some level of government involvement. As much as I'd love to say, because I'm a big free market guy, that the market will drive it, um, that something that big, that because it it is such a big investment. I mean, you saw Google, right? Google tried to roll out Google Fiber all these different places yeah. and locations uh, and they you know they struggled to kind of get that infrastructure in place free market did drive a lot of that with google and all like the comcasts and the at&t's right but you remember back to like the old phone days when yeah. they were having to run phone lines and you had mega monopolies you know like government sponsored monopolies to keep because the infrastructure cost was so high yep. and these guys needed to be able to be incentivized like i've got to be able to put this in and know that i'm not going to have to deal with uh, you know getting undercut by the next vendor uh, so maybe something like that has to come along where it's it's more uh, government-sponsored monopolies. Well, I We've think got you, that here in yeah. Arizona with our power companies. Yeah. I think you hit the nail on the head. I mean, it is akin to the Eisenhower project. I mean, yeah. it has to be that scope and scale for it to even work. If you want to get cross-country, yep. you know, and, and have that kind of – and then you'll see the adoption. I think yep. that'll, that would really change it. But All right. So definitely, I, mean, it's, I think it's on everybody's mind, and nobody's got a solution yet. Maybe we just yep. figured it out, but I doubt it. <laughs> we haven't figured out the other part of that, which was, you know, everything was a little bit different politically in the Eisenhower era. And we were pretty, we were a little more unified back then. But yep. uh, All right. Hey, any last thoughts, Mike, as you uh, as we get ready to sign off here? No, I just, I really appreciate you guys having me on. I think fleet management is just something really dear to me. And I think the fact that you guys are doing what you're doing and doing this for free and giving all this knowledge out. I mean, just being on this call with you, I, I'm kind of overwhelmed by, you know, you guys' prowess, you know, in the industry. So I appreciate you giving me a fleet manager like myself, a voice and being able to talk about things that I think is important. And, and ultimately I, I consider both of you guys friends. So I know this is not the last time that we'll talk. I think there'll be a lot of stuff with NAFA that we'll have to be involved with. And I know I'll see you down at Columbus, hopefully. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Well, I can tell you, if you mentioned it earlier, that one of the most exciting and most rewarding things you'll do is to give back. Yeah. You know, and uh, that that's for me, that's the most exciting thing I do when a fleet manager comes to me and says, can you help me? Uh, I'm excited about that. Cause I mean, I remember those mentors I had as I grew up through this industry. So that's when you're on top of Maslow's pyramid. You remember that in college, right? <laughs> Self-actualization. Put that on the, uh, the topics to discuss, you know, Maslow's pyramid, right? Uh, I think for me, it's, you know, it, it's not so much, hey, I need help with this. I always love is when somebody comes up to me and says, you may not remember this, but two years ago, you were talking about this one thing, and it's something I totally thought was like a throwaway comment. Or, you know, didn't realize I had an impact. Like, we just presented an AFA and there's eight people in the room. <laughs> well, if, you know, one of those eight people come up to me two or three years later and says, by the way, you said something in there and it totally changed how we approach this problem. You made a huge difference in my life. Like, that for yes. me gives me goosebumps. Like, yeah. I'm just like, all right, I'm, oh, let's I go agree. run through a wall. I'm ready. The adrenaline's <laughs> up. You know, that's what I love when I, you know, when I made that impact with somebody. You know, when we could look back and say, hey, Andrew, we were able to find you a position. You know, like that's that's when you realize, like, hey, we did something. Yep. You know, we were able to give back, and it's uh, that's what it's all about. So, all right, sir. Well, uh, thank you for joining us today, Steve. A pleasure as always. Yep. Uh, for everybody listening, thanks again for uh, tuning in for another episode. As always, if you have any questions or comments, any topics you want to see us discuss, 
email us at podcast at rtafleet.com. And we will see you next week. Thanks again. Have a good one. Thanks. Thanks for joining us on this episode of the Fleet Success Show. If you liked our show, we'd appreciate your five-star review. Be sure to subscribe anywhere you listen to podcasts and come hang out with us anywhere on social media at Fleet Success. See you next time.